Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, Managing Editor. Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. We, of course, also have our premium service, FightfulSelect.com. It is the Fightful MMA podcast for October 23rd. We got plenty to talk about. I am joined by one showdown Joe Ferraro. Joe, how are you? Doing pretty good, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm doing splendid. It's it's a week without MMA. Well, well, UFC, Bellator, at least. We had PFL. We'll talk a little bit about that. But there's UFC uh, up in Canada coming up soon. And our boy James Lynch has talked to several of the fighters, probably more fighters than anybody else in the MMA media game on this show. We're going to hear uh, about some of that today. But James, how are you? I'm doing well. And uh, actually, it is true. I've interviewed more than anyone, any other outlets. So we, we got you covered over there uh, as far as what's uh, what's on Fightful right now, uh, unless the stuff they get during media week. Just wanted to clarify that. And, I mean, you've already got stuff up for UFC Denver. I mean, my God, it's it's insane, the level of coverage that we have, especially for those two events. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, as I announced last week on this channel, actually, which uh, this will soon be a pretty much Fightful Wrestling channel, there has been a great shift in, in quite frankly, I think, attention in combat sports. We talked about it time and time again. I've got a column coming up on it next month. MMA and boxing are really they've they've regained a lot of steam, especially this quarter. And last week I was looking at our content, and Carlos Toro has started to do almost a bi-weekly podcast. And his boxing newsletter has become one of the hottest things on our site. It is just a must-read, whether you're a casual boxing fan or a hardcore boxing fan. James Lynch has interviews all the time. I'm going live more than ever. We have post shows. We have pre-shows. We have clips that go up. We have this podcast. So I decided to launch a Fightful MMA and Boxing channel. Uh, We will have a custom URL as soon as YouTube allows. That'll be about three weeks. But uh, I'm going to go live there very, very often. I've given Carlos Toro the green light. Uh, James Lynch's interviews will go up there immediately. Uh, The way that was set up, basically James would do an interview and I would have to fit them in. That way uh, we didn't have like five, six videos going up at a time. That's going to happen on the new channel. They're going up immediately. We're going to have uh, more coverage than ever before. Uh, Joe, I- I've mentioned this before, but you got Manny Pacquiao signing a big deal with PBC. You've got DeZone doing insane stuff with Canelo Alvarez and Bellator. UFC with ESPN. And then all of these guys are coming back. This seems like... It- it's it's such a just a reinvigorating time for combat sports. 
Yeah, it's, it always happens. It seems to happen in cycles, right? Things, uh, you know, go great for a while, then something happens, and then uh, the negative stuff starts, you know, almost dominoing to the point where things are like, oh, boy, now what's going to happen? Now the sport's going to, you know, take another downturn. And before you know it, guys come back, events, uh, guys get signed, things are moving around. Uh, you know, just I'm, you're hearing stuff about 1FC as well. Some other big signings are about to happen over there as well. So uh, a bunch of things are happening in the MMA world, not just the UFC, but uh, I think we're going to see, you know, obviously with John Jones coming back, uh, you know, Conor McGregor being a little classier now with his posts or a post um, and the ESPN deal uh, going to be kicking in. I think we're going to see another uh, pleasant resurgence uh, of the MMA game for sure. I think we lost uh, Sean's mic there. Oh, yeah, did we? Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> I have uploaded a lot of our classic content over on the MMA channel. Uh, some stuff that Joe did at UFC 210. A lot of the on-site interviews that, that James Lynch has done. Some of the pros picks. All that stuff will be moving to the MMA channel. And I kind of weighed this with with uh, James and with Jimmy Van, with Melissa, people like that. I think it's the right move. I think what makes us unique also holds us back a little bit. Because you can get all the same content, all you got to do is hit the subscribe button. But right now, James Lynch, the most popular live video I've done thus far is about Chris Cyborg offering to train Daniel Bergoli, a.k.a. the Catch Me Outside girl. That's where we are in MMA. That's where we are. Yeah. Got to got to get those clicks. I mean, pe- people like that it. stuff. It's it's you know we and we talk about this all the time with the sport. I mean, there is the tabloid part of the sport that I think people like to you know see that that type of stuff, and you have to cover it. You do. People hate it, but people also watch it. So the people who say they hate it, you're probably watching it too. Also, shout outs to Bellator who send me highlights of their show <laughs> just so they can copyright claim them, and then I get people from Combate Americas tweeting me saying you got set up. Which I thought was funny. But you will see those videos after I clear this horse shit with Viacom. Uh, <laughs> you'll see videos like that. You'll see event videos. If you all have videos to send in, you'll see those. James Lynch's interviews, pros picks. And really, James, your your pros picks have gone far beyond pros picks. You do all kinds of fighter reactions now, which I love. I think those are great. Yeah, I got a, I got another one coming up next week. Uh, I think I mentioned this on the show last week. My laptop died. Found out my laptop's going to be delivered back tomorrow. Praying the data is still on there. If it's on there, I got a bunch of really cool stuff coming out uh, for that series. Uh, one asking uh, fighters what they would be doing for a career if they weren't fighting, which I got some really interesting answers on that. And of course, James Lynch has interviews with everybody from like UFC, the people who are going to debut in the UFC to top stars. We had Chris Weidman drop this week or last week just ahead of his fight uh, being changed. Of course, Joe is all over the globe when he gets content. We post that as well. And then clips from this. I have uh, workout videos for Gamboa ahead of his fight with uh, Miguel Beltran. And Carlos Toro, like I said, has been given a green light to go live whenever he wants on this channel. Uh, This was a big part of uh, my decision as well, is the fact that James Lynch, quite frankly, I think is the best video interviewer in MMA. we got Showdown Joe, one of the best MMA analysts, period. And we got Carlos Toro, who is just burst onto the boxing media scene over the past two and a half years and just taken it by storm and done some really incredible stuff. I wanted a platform that could highlight him more as well. So very excited about this. If you guys couldn't tell, we will be pushing it very hard. Uh, For now, the podcasts are going to stay on this channel because of the subscriber count and all that. 
The fight reviews will stay on this channel, but eventually they will be moved over to the MMA and Boxing channel. So hit that subscribe button, my friends. Also, we're expanding our MMA content on Fightful Select as well, but enough of the plugs. We'll talk more about this and some of the behind the scenes that goes into that as, as we go on. Habib is still in the news, guys, because Floyd Mayweather claims that he wants to fight Habib. And we've had some real weird takes on this, like Michael Bisping saying that he thinks that Habib could go the distance. First off, let's hit that one. First, that fight ain't happening. I said that about the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight too, <laughs> but this fight ain't happening, James. No, I no, I, I'm I'm with you here. Um, Habib, as much as people want to think Habib is, you know, all of a sudden this A side fighter, he's not. Conor McGregor made is it, is a completely different animal than Habib in terms of the self promotion and everything like that. Um, I, I just don't think it's a fight that people want to see as much as they wanted to see McGregor, especially because McGregor's known for his knockout power. Habib known more as of a grappler. I know he dropped McGregor in their fight, but to me, I don't think this happens. I think this is a lot of smoke. I think this is a lot of uh, you know just Habib trying to keep his uh, you know name in there and. Also Floyd, obviously, because Floyd's not doing anything right now. So why not, uh, you know, call out a uh, UFC champion or respond to UFC champion? But I don't think this will happen. I mean, it, it, Conor McGregor is one thing that this guy is, you know, kind of redefined self-promotion in MMA. But Habib is, is not on anywhere near that level in terms of the self-promotion. Joe, what do you think? Well, I think everyone knows what my positioning was when the conversation began about Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Um, I, I did say never say never, and I'll say the same thing about this, you know, potential quote unquote Habib versus Mayweather boxing bout. I don't, but again, end quote. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. Now, uh, is Habib, um, you know, an A draw, the A side? He, he gets big numbers. Um, I, I know that he will get bigger now too because he yeah. is a household name. But he yeah. is a household name built by Conor McGregor essentially by beating Conor McGregor and drop kicking Dylan Dennis. Yeah, and, and you know, Daniel Cormier comes out and says he wouldn't last long. I mean, he would not last long. Conor McGregor is a better boxer than Habib Nurmagomedov, despite that wondrous, beautiful right hand that Habib landed. Um, you know, Conor, I'm, I'm pretty sure, realized, you know what, I made a mistake. I made a big mistake in training for this fight. Uh, you can, it's evidenced by the post that he made. Um, but Habib and Floyd Mayweather, it's, it's, a, it's the same thing. Floyd Mayweather would have Habib last as long as Floyd Mayweather wanted him to uh, again, if that was an MMA fight, Floyd Mayweather wouldn't last very long. But it is what it is, and I don't see the fight happening, guys. Michael Bisping, as much as I love his commentary on 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 fight situations, had the balls, Joe, to say that Habib would go the distance with Mayweather. This is asinine. It is, to the point that now you are questioning me about getting an opinion on it. So Michael <laughs> Bisping probably did the right thing there. Uh, to throw something that outrageous out there. Um, and you know what? The, hypothetically speaking, can that fight go the distance? Of course it can. If Floyd Mayweather wants to go the distance and give people uh, a one-hour show or a 57-minute show, whatever it would be, he could do it. I mean, there's just a different level of what Floyd Mayweather does when it comes to boxing than what uh, any mixed martial artist can do um, in the striking realm. So, yeah, it's. I mean, M Michael's just being Michael, to be honest with you, but... Yeah, it, it is what it is, guys. I, it's, it's, I cannot see it happening, to be honest with you. James, what do you think about that? Can I think Mike go the distance? 
I mean, I, I think Michael Bisping saying what he can to get his name out there. I mean, you know, th- these commentators know what they're doing when they make comments like that. There's going to be 50,000 articles written on it from all the MMA sites. And, and it's just they, they need their clickbait. And, and that's that. Do I think he really believes that? I don't think so. But I mean, it, again, Floyd is one of these guys where when it comes to his fight style, he likes to go a little bit later. He's not a guy that finishes fights early. So the fact that, you know, it, it went as long as it did with McGregor and, and Floyd, to me, wasn't surprising when it happened. And now in this case, uh, if they ever did fight hypothetically, I, I think it would, you know, go a couple rounds. I mean, it's 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 not going to be something where it's going to be the full 12 rounds, but uh, Mayweather is known for sort of keeping uh, his fights going on a little bit longer. Dana White spoke to Brett Okamoto of ESPN and Dana White was asked, well, who's next for Habib Nurmagomedov? Now there is a lot to really digest about this Habib Nurmagomedov situation before then. I think there are some hearings coming up very soon, but Dana White was quick to say, Tony Ferguson, that's gotta be the guy that's gotta be the fight right now. They are on a four year streak of having fights pulled every year since 2015. They, that that happens. James, does Tony Ferguson get this fight next? And does the streak continue? <laughs> does it well, reach Undertaker levels at WrestleMania? Yeah, I, I think it finally happens. And and I think all they have to do is just bubble wrap Tony Ferguson and Habib to put them in some sort of remember the Bubble Boy episode on Seinfeld? They need to do something like that where they just keep them in uh, solitary confinement as long as possible. But this has to happen now. Ferguson has done more than enough. He had his title taken away. To me, he's the rightful number one contender to fight for the title at this point. And again, it doesn't I know McGregor put some stuff out there yesterday, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later about you know him uh you know responding to the loss, but I just don't see that rematch happening right away. Like I mentioned last week. I I think that uh, if the UFC is smart, they give McGregor another fight in between. So he's not totally going to devalue his stock because I don't think the rematch would go in his favor. And with Ferguson, I mean, I, again, I think he, he couldn't have done any better as far as his performance at UFC 229. And there isn't anyone else in line other than maybe Dustin Poirier. But, you know, at this point, uh, you know, he, he's injured and uh, that, that's just not an option. So to me, Ferguson had be finally going to happen. Uh, I, I, I think so. I liked it that Dana White was pretty transparent about the messiness of that lightweight title situation, Joe. He said three guys had a claim to that title. McGregor lost his. Now you have two guys. Let's make it one. It's the right move to make. And it's it's a it's not gonna be a big giant fight. It's not gonna sell a million pay-per-views. It might do about five hundred, six hundred thousand, though. And in the UFC's landscape, if you have a guy that's not named Conor McGregor, not named John Jones, not named Daniel Cormier, even. Brock Lesnar, GSP, and you're selling 500,000 pay-per-views, that's a pretty damn good day, Joe. Yeah, that's a fair number. That's a good uh, uh, analogy there. I think that that's pretty much what that pay-per-view would do, uh, maybe slightly over 500. Uh, remember, guys, D- Dana White's job is to be a spin doctor. He's going to spin whatever he wants so it comes out the way he likes it to come out there. Uh, before this, Tony Ferguson had no shot whatsoever at getting a title shot. He got stripped. Blah, 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 blah. The guy was the interim champ, this, this, and that. They were, you know, doing things they shouldn't have done with Tony. Uh, but now that Habib defeats Conor McGregor, he needs a new opponent. Tony has a fantastic fight versus Anthony Pettis. All of a sudden, the, the DJ starts spinning records. And next thing you know, yep, Tony Ferguson should be next for Habib Nurmagomedov, despite the fact that that is the right fight. Um, the only issue I have with that is, you know, the MMA gods refuse to let us have that fight. Um, you know, James is saying it's finally going to happen. And the first thing that I think about is, yeah, I wish it would happen. But for some strange reason, guys, every time these two uh, are destined to meet, another type of destiny steps in the way and they don't end up fighting. 
hopefully this comes to be, I mean, from a stylistic standpoint, I think Tony Ferguson probably gets beaten, but you never know. I mean, we, we've seen some holes in Habib's game, but then again, that's what I've said ahead of each of Habib's fights that he inevitably wins. So I think this is the fight to make. It is a high level fight It is a fight that quite frankly has three years of build behind it, but no real resolution. And hopefully we find out that resolution soon. We're not going to get any resolution to Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidman. Rockhold pulled from this fight. I posted a tweet earlier this year when it was announced that Rockhold was going to fight Gustafson. And I said, I can't wait until 2022 when they're both healthy and we can see this fight. Neither have fought since then. I'm not convinced that Gustafson actually shows up to fight John Jones on the night that they are scheduled to fight. Luke Rockhold pulled from his fight with Chris Weidman. James, you spoke to Weidman right before this. This this is a this is gut wrenching. Yeah, it, it's a bummer. I mean, we really wanted to see this rematch, uh, you know, just to, to get some closure in terms of, uh, you know, there was rumblings uh, about Wyman being injured heading into the first fight with Rockhold. He's coming off the knockout loss. I mean, both of these guys, it was an important fight for both of them. But I got to be honest, uh, you know, Jacare as a replacement isn't so bad, in my opinion. I'm glad the UFC was able to, to make it work. But you got to feel for David Branch here. Uh, you know, two times he's had opponents pulled in UL Romero and now Jacare. I got to feel for that guy. Hopefully the UFC compensates him there. But uh, as far as the new matchup, uh, you know, it's as good as it's going to get. It, it's too bad for Rockhold. His stock has really plummeted since basically he won the title. It's pretty much been downhill since then. Uh, so, you know, hopefully he has a speedy recovery. And I think this might be the end of Luke Rockhold at middleweight, um, you know, because I don't know what matchup he would want to take at 185 pounds. Uh, he might be better off fighting at 205. And you actually spoke to Chris Weidman about the rumor that Luke Rockhold yes. tried to get this fight to happen at 205. Weidman completely denied that. Yeah, he did. Uh, so Rockhold, I was at the media scrum at 229. Rockhold was a guest, uh, you know, backstage. And he said that he asked Weidman for a fight at light heavyweight and Weidman declined. And Weidman, when I spoke to him last week, said he had never heard of that. Now, look, I'm sure there's the truth is somewhere in the middle here. But I think the reality is for Weidman, that wouldn't have made much sense because of the fact that if he gets a win at 85, he's probably getting the next title shot. He has that win over Calvin Gaslam, who got the title shot against Whitaker. If Weidman moves up to 205, you know, I don't, I don't know if that holds as much weight as him fighting at middleweight. And for Rockhold, I mean, he's already beat Weidman. For him, uh, you know, put put two and zero on the stamp, and and for him, it it also means that he could uh, you know raise his stock even more. Uh, he just need, he needed to get a win, and now that's not even going to happen here. So it's unfortunate for Rockhold, but uh, yeah, that that would have been interesting uh, to see both these guys fight at two hundred five. So this is really a domino effect that just sends them toppling over. Joe, what are your thoughts? Luke Rockhold is he done at one eighty five? His buddy Daniel Cormier essentially moving up to heavyweight and retiring maybe although Daniel Cormier says there's a chance he won't get stripped of the title if he loses against Derek Lewis so a lot to unpack there Rockhold's future what do you think Joe yeah I, I'm not changing my positioning from a week or two ago when I said this would this would have been his last fight uh, at 185 pounds I think he with with Daniel moving up uh, and being the heavyweight champion it opens up the 205 division for the for the uh, gym and Luke Rockhold has wanted to go up there for quite some time uh, now it's the opportunity. Um, you know, Luke's a funny guy as is. He operates on a different frequency, like so many other mixed martial artists. And you know, this could be a whether he's injured or not. I don't know, but this could be a blessing in disguise for him. Um, I mean, I don't think he likes cutting to 185 pounds because his you know teammate was at in the 205 pound division. So uh, I think this opens up the opportunity for him for his next fight. And he, you know, either Chris and or Luke 
uh, are good infusions to the 205-pound division. The only if- difference is, like you said, if Chris should defeat Jacare, I think he will beat Jacare because Jacare uh, is not the same fighter uh, unless something crazy happens, but he's not the same fighter as he was before. Chris puts himself uh, for that title shot. And I think James is bang on with Chris Weidman's stock. Um, this guy was at an all-time high during that Anderson Silva and then the title defense era uh, and then plummeted, to say the least. It's amazing when you're not in the public view how quickly people forget the accolades that you've accumulated. Uh, and this is a guy where, yeah, I mean, uh, he's also rubbed people the wrong way behind the scenes, like believe it or not. He's, he's, he is that guy. But, um, you know, I guess it's the Ameri- – it's the not the American. It's the arrogance – um that that some people bring on and off camera so um we'll see what happens in this fight here he's gonna have a tough fight with jacare i still think jacare is the same guy and then we'll see what chris wants to do because he's not getting any younger and that 205 pound division could be something for him as well so weidman now faces jacare souza as you mentioned james a suitable replacement jacare was set to fight david branch this is a fight we haven't had before as well and it is a high level middleweight fight Joe, how do you think this goes? I, I'm actually very, very excited for this fight. Um, I think Jacare fatigues fatigues midway through that second round. If he can land, uh, you know, one of those you know odd throwing bombs that he throws, um, you know, Chris can be a big trouble. I just think Chris's striking is more on point, um, and it depends on what Chris wants to do. I think he should probably keep this fight standing. Uh, obviously, with Jacare's submission acumen, but at the same time, once he gets tired, uh, Jacare, then you could probably entertain taking taking him down uh, and then punishing him, keeping your limbs in check, because Chris does have a fantastic submission game as well, uh, which means his defense is there as well. So I think Chris will dictate where this fight's going to go, provided Jacare doesn't land that bomb uh, early in that first round. James, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would probably favor Weidman in that fight just because I, I do think his his knockout power is still there. Uh, with, with Jacare, we have seen some glimpses of that. The Derek, uh, you know, Brunson fight comes to mind. Um, but uh, you know, what's funny is uh, you know you think Jacare is a lot older uh, in this fight. He's only four years older than Weidman. Weidman's thirty four, and Jacare, um, you know, obviously is uh, you know thirty eight. So uh, th- this is one of those fights where I mean, we'll see who has more left in the division. You know, Weidman's had a lot of injuries. Um, you know, he's been inactive. He hasn't fought in more than a year. He does have that win over Calvin Gaslam. So I think that shows that, uh, you know, that he's still a top fighter in the division, but we'll find out. I, but if I had to pick, I'd go with Weidman at this point. I wouldn't doubt that Jacques Ray can almost go like, like Damian Maya. I've often compared him to a knuckleballer in baseball, how Damian Maya doesn't have a lot else besides his grappling, but he's going to be able to make it a long time based on that. If he can avoid getting hit. Uh, Souza would have to switch up his fighting style quite a bit because he is often far too excited to stand and strike. Don't know if that's a great idea with Weidman, but I don't doubt that Souza could knock him out. This fight moved Souza up from a bout with David Branch. Fortunately for the UFC, David Branch is a versatile guy, has taken a fight with Jared Cannonier, who has been a fringe 205-er for the last couple of years. For a late replacement fight, James, I think this is suitable. It's okay. This this fight, this show has had depth issues, which we're going to continue to talk about. You've had a change in main events. You've had issues with the co-main event. Now that's gone. You had issues with the middleweight fight. Then the middleweight fight below that. So this card, based on what it was a month ago or even three or four weeks ago, looks nothing like what it does now. I mean, it's completely different on the pay-per-view end, James. 
It is. And uh, like we talked about last week, they're doing, you know, if they would cut back the pay-per-views, if they cut back the shows, you'd have more options to fill up cards in situations like this. It's a decent card. It's not the type of card that I, I think, you know, we're used to seeing in New York as far as some of the matchups. I mean, it's still got Israel Adesanya on this card, which I think in itself is, is you know, a, a seller for, for, for sure. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's, uh, it happens. I mean, just uh, sometimes fights don't materialize. Uh, you know, they had all the issues with the main event, you know, then Poirier gets injured. Uh, there's lots of weird stuff that's happened with this card, but uh, nonetheless, I think they've done the best they could with what they had to work with, I guess. Joe, you also have a Sajara Eubanks and Roxanne Modafferi that got added late. That's a solid fight, at least, at least as far as rankings go. Ben Saunders against a former Bellator champion and Lyman Good. That's a good prelim fight, I think. But still, that this show is, you, you got Carl Roberson and Jack Marshman, no disrespect to them. That's not a pay-per-view fight. No, it's not. But I like Jack. Jack, both guys can. can I like both so. of them. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, that Israel at Asanya fight is going to be fun with Derek Brunson. That's for sure. I mean, yes. if you go up and down this card, there may not be that name value, right? Uh, I'm just looking at some of the odds right now, but there's going to be some fun fights like Landa Venata, Matt Frivola. That's going to be a bank fest. That's going to be good. Jason Knight, who's basically uh, you know the highlight of the night all the time. Um, well, not as of late, but he's 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 game for anything, and he's a, he's a big favorite in this fight. Uh, my boy Kurt Hollibow from the Titan days. Titan, by the way. Yeah, right. Um, I, I think it's a fun fight. I think it's a fun card. Uh, it's an I ethical think it's conflict, the, uh, Joe. What's that? That's an ethical conflict. I'm going to need you to stop your shilling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this card, man. It's going to be fun. It's just it doesn't have that crazy name value. And I think James is right. Or you were right as well, where you know, so many things changed. It should have been... Other people headlining this event, other title fights, other this, other that. But you know, the UFC can only do um, with what they have, with what's available at that time to make these types of changes. So um, yeah, it's, gonna, it's still going to be a fun fight. It's going to get—is it going to draw massive pay-per-view numbers? No. Uh, but yeah, we're tuning in. We're going to have some fun with this. And Derek Lewis's post-fight interview, win or lose, is going to be fantastic. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, it will be. So <laughs> we we talked about the depth of this show being sacrificed. And one of the topics that we had tackled in previous weeks, why don't they make Poirier and Diaz the main event? Why don't they do it this way? Why don't they do it without a title? If Dustin Poirier is to be believed, WD or UFC exhausted many of those options, except the 165 pound option, the one that they realistically should have. But Dustin Poirier says they offered the fight as a main event, but Nate Diaz kept renegotiating. Joe, this does not come as a surprise to me at all. Nope. I didn't believe that Nate Diaz was going to fight until I saw him in that cage. It didn't happen. He is notoriously difficult to deal with. He said at a press conference, I had a lawsuit for two years. That's why I didn't fight. I don't know why they didn't tell you. I don't know why you didn't tell us. (laughs) Why didn't you tell us? They offered him fights for years, and he didn't take them. He is a part... Nate Diaz is a part of the reason we launched a new YouTube. He's back. UFC got a ton of guys back. And they what UFC was trying to do was the smart thing. They're like, okay, this guy's coming back. We're not going to put him against a guy who's already established as a household name. We're going to put him against a guy who could be a household name. And they try their damnedest to make this work outside of the 165-pound thing. You know, I got to side with Dustin Poirier in the UFC on this one. Joe, Nate Diaz seems really difficult to deal with still. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's Nate and it's his, his management. They, they will look for any opportunity to, 
quickly renegotiate anything. And you know, management will stand by their client. If there's an opportunity to get more money out of a certain situation because of a placement on a card, they're going to fight for it. Uh, and if they don't win, we're not, our client's not going to fight. Very simple, right? So um, it, it'll always turn into a situation. And again, should Nate have made that public? Yeah, potentially. But you know, those guys don't operate like you and I do or, or James does, right? They just they'll hide, hide, hide. And even when they do agree to things, how many times have we heard and seen that um, you know the Diaz brothers have agreed to a fight or a new contract, and immediately the very first interview. They're, they're talking about being underpaid or under. That's just how they are, man. It's how they are. So nothing surprises me about them. Uh, and I'm, I'm always going to be their biggest fan because I just love seeing them compete. I love the buildup to their fights. I love the fact that no matter what they do, we're going to talk about it uh, on Tuesdays because they are who they are. But it would be nice to see them both uh, inside the octagon again. And we've heard about Nick coming back, not coming back, coming back, not coming back. Same thing with Nate. And, you know, Sean Rossap is going to always say the same thing. I'll believe it when I see it. Now Nick is saying he could beat Canelo Alvarez in a boxing match, and I'm like, man, you got to stop getting high before you do interviews. Oh, he believes it. Yeah, I know he believes it. I know he believes it, but the thing is he can't. I don't care about the size advantage. Canelo Alvarez would piece him up with ease. James, your thoughts on the Nate Diaz-Dustin Poirier situation? This was a big one that UFC lost. There's nothing they could really do. I think Diaz, uh, again, he's being selective. We've talked about this, uh, you know, at length with the fact that because he's beat McGregor, he has he feels like he has all this leveraging power. And this doesn't surprise me in terms of the demands, in terms of uh, you know, and, I, and I'm on Poirier's side here. I mean, he, here's a guy who you know realistically could have earned himself a title shot with that win over Alvarez, but opted to take the Diaz fight as a way to boost up the New York card. And you know, here he is having to deal with all these things with with Diaz. Uh, he's just him and his brother. I mean, we've seen this over the years. They've been difficult to work with and you know i i think that uh I, I think in some ways they overvalue themselves and this is the result that we get which is diaz is going to be selective uh you know dana's quote i believe was you know i'm not unless diaz is dying to get back in there i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna give him a call and i don't blame him because it's it's probably a big headache to try and deal with this guy who we don't even know is, is a proven uh, you know, draw per se, at, you know, uh, when it comes to other cards, we've just seen him against McGregor um, lately anyway. So I, I, to me, it's it, to, why bother? I mean, if it's going to be this much of a hassle, you know, move on to the next superstar to me, in my opinion. So so I think I, I completely understand the UFC and Dustin Poirier's uh, frustrations on this whole issue. Apparently, Poirier's injury is minor. If they can get that on the end of the year card. Sure. But if not, I, I'm so just tired of deal of of. I'm tired of talking about the UFC dealing with Nate Diaz, much less them. Also, I want to point out something that happened just now on Eddie Alvarez's Twitter as we went on the air. It says, if Team Khabib leaves UFC because Zybara gets kicked out and then Artem strikes, then there's no way I'm staying as well. Well, Ali Abdulaziz needs to do a better job of scheduling his clients' tweets. Because Eddie Alvarez signed with one FC last week. Yeah, Eddie's not an LA client, though. I should point he's that out. He's not. No, he's not. Wow. Yeah, he's not. He got um, a whole he he hacked. He's a hacker. No, I think, but but I should point this out. Mark Henry obviously has a great relationship with Ali, calls him the best manager ever and all these things. So I wonder if Mark, you know, was like, hey Eddie, would you do this one? Would you do us a solid one? Or Eddie's trolling. I don't know. It's one of the two. It's awkward. It's awkward. Also this week, uh, Conor McGregor didn't exactly go into hiding after his UFC 229 loss. He's He's been out doing things here and there. I've got a news update on this on the new YouTube. Go subscribe, guys. 
but he broke down his UFC 229 loss, and I thought was a bit delusional in doing so, Joe. I didn't think that he gave Habib the credit that he deserved in some of this. I mean, it, he kind of did, but considering how humble he had been in defeat before, I honestly expected something different. His assessment of wrestling, I think, is a little off base and probably one of the reasons why he ended up losing this fight. Yeah, uh, I, I don't often give Conor McGregor uh, any credit for a lot of his tweets and a lot of his Instagram posts uh, in general or Facebook. Uh, but this one I will give him credit for. Is it exactly how you and I and James and whomever uh, saw the fight? A little bit different, but uh, I think he was humble enough to say, you know, here's what I think. Here's what I saw. And it gives us another glimpse into the guy that was humbled, right? He breaks down it. He breaks down um, the fight round by round by round by round, and also gives us an insight in terms of, do you realize this is a sport? It's not a fight. It's a sport. So if it was a fight, we could break down a different thing if you were outside or if Habib came out off of that bus and you guys got into a fight, we could break that down. But this is a sport, uh, a sport that has rounds, it has weight classes, and it has rules, uh, and you're allowed to do certain things. So um, there's some of the stuff that Connor said where I was kind of like, well, dude, it's, he's going to wrestle you when he wants to wrestle you. And if you publicly stated that, you know, you, you didn't respect his striking and didn't really get the rounds in, that's not anyone's fault, but your own, uh, not your team. But then he did come out and say specifically, you know, I'm going to start, I don't know what the actual term was, but he basically said, you should be in charge of your own career, make your own decisions. Uh, and he, he admitted that's where he screwed up. So I don't know if that's a, um, a, a, backward compliment or shot to his coaches and his teammates but at the same time um this is mma it goes back to like when rampage jackson complains that they keep putting me against wrestlers dude it's mma yeah i want to wrestle you because he doesn't want to eat your leather sandwiches all the time he's gonna wrestle you <laughs> also you know? i think rampage jackson at this point can say no i'm not taking that fight give me somebody else <laughs> and right. at this stage of his career it won't really affect his growth James, what do you think about this? As Stone Osborne points out in the chat, in the in the the chat, Connor, I won the fight but lost to Sport McGregor. Yeah, um, that that whole thing was a bit confusing in terms of just reading through the entire thing. Um, and and it sounds too like I think he's finally coming to the realization that the rematch is is not going to happen right away. I mean, I, I think uh, you know it's good on him for you know owning up to the loss and sort of addressing everything and just you know, kind of assessing his performance. I guess, you know, this is what we want to hear from fighters. That's why we follow them on social media. We want to hear, you know, how they're feeling. And I think it's good to do this as opposed to running away from a loss, which Connor's never done that, but and we've seen other athletes, you know. Run. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill rousey do that so uh you know it's, it's good to see some some honesty there but uh you know i think there were parts of this that, that came off you know kind of bad i mean you know there, there's nowhere where he says that uh you know i need to take time to go work on things he's just basically looking at it from his point of view, but uh, I, I don't think he's, he's taking some responsibility for some of the stuff that happened in the fight in terms of some of the things he did wrong. So, um, you know, I like his honesty, but I, I think it could have been a little bit better in terms of what he posted there. Back in the day, we used to hear Tank Abbott say, yeah, he may have won the fight, but I went to the bar and he went to the hospital. <laughs> I, Connor can't say that. 
Connor can't say that. The best he can say is, I went to the bar and he was detained. That's really the the extent of how we can go there. But Connor McGregor also spoke out and said that he would be interested in fighting Anderson Silva, who has competed effectively at 205 pounds in the past. Connor McGregor, maybe at his best, was when he was at 145, but he is a 155er now. They are 30 pounds apart. James, is this a possibility at 179 pounds, I think, that Silva's coaches were saying? This one's iffy because, I mean, obviously Silva is no, nowhere near the same fighter he used to be, and these are two huge names if you were to put them together in a fight. But again, I think the UFC's got to be careful here with what who they match up McGregor with after this. Um, you know, there, there's a chance he could lose a fight against Anderson Silva. He's a much bigger guy. That, you know, Anderson Silva's never fought at featherweight before. Conor McGregor has. I mean, that, that's a huge difference, right? So I think we have to sort of look at these things. And, you know, if, if I'm Conor's management, if I'm Paradigm, I'm really thinking about what the next move is here because you do not want two losses in a row. Uh, that kills your stock as, you know, as popular as McGregor is, as popular as someone like, as Chell Sonnen is, who's, you know, lost a bunch of fights and still been able to spin it around. It still loses some luster. And, and McGregor's, you know, gone far beyond just, uh, you know, the MMA bubble. He, he's, you know, really resonated with casual fans, too. So, um, you know, will it happen? Maybe. But I don't know if it happens now. I think McGregor fights someone that he's going to beat. And then we sort of talk about these other fights. So at by the time Silva fights again, he'll likely be two years removed from his Brunson win and that's not that's of no fault of his own that's USADA's fault and I we played devil's advocate on this podcast before about looking at the wins and losses of Silva the first Weidman loss you know he was clowning around right as he was feeling feeling himself out he was getting beat before the leg injury but the leg injury still happened you never know what can happen in a in an Anderson Silva fight the Bisping fight you could argue that Silva should have won for any number of reasons. And the Daniel Cormier fight was a fight that he took up a weight class against the champion. What six, a few weeks after surgery, I believe. So, I mean, definitely some, some weird circumstances surrounding Anderson Silva. It's been, it doesn't seem like it's been almost two years since we've seen him fight Joe. And he doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon. And keep in mind, Ed Soares used to throw out the, Oh, Anderson's retiring at 35. Horse shit that he threw out. He's 43. He's probably going to be 44 and still fighting. What do you, what do you think about this? I think it's Listen, if they can this fight happen? Absolutely it can happen because this would be a big selling pay-per-view. No title on the line, just a super fight. And I know for a fact that this would sell big numbers not just because of Conor McGregor's cachet but that the older fans that haven't really tuned into much uh ufc recently they know that anderson silva name many of them still believe that he's one of the best of all time uh you know notwithstanding some of the fights that he's had recently uh and all of a sudden he's going after this young kid and blah blah blah. people would tune in to watch this and if dana white even gets the smallest sniff that this could be a money maker they will figure out a way to put this down together uh do i think anderson beats conor mcgregor at 179 pounds probably not I think Conor McGregor's speed will some way, somehow uh, be the difference in this fight. Not by much, but, you know, if Anderson Silva can re- connect, that's the hardest punch Conor McGregor's ever going to face. Uh, that's a game changer there. But but the bottom line is, I would love to see this fight. This fight intrigues me, um, you know, I, it, it, on the weird levels in my brain. You know what I'm saying? I would like to see this fight go down for sure. It would be one of those, <laughs> I, I can't, you can't call it a super fight. 
maybe kind of a fantasy fight because it is pure fantasy at this point. Bellator cracked 500,000 viewers. I think they did 521,000 on Paramount for Bellator 208 with Chael Sonnen and Fedor. There were uh, viewership options on DAZN. James, what do you think about these numbers? I mean, it's the best they've done since May, but with Fedor and Sonnen, you'd expect a little bit more. Yeah, I did too. Um, you know, the numbers should have been higher. I mean, just with what they had on paper. But again, I think you're asking a lot of the combat sports fans these days as far as how they're going to pay for watching fights. I mean, you have DAZN, you have ESPN Plus, you have UFC Fight Pass. I mean, it's expensive to be a combat sports fan. We all know this. So I think that plays a part in it. I think it's also just the fact that of, of timing. I mean, I don't I, I know, again, like when it comes to booking these casinos or booking these venues for doing events, it's, uh, you know, it's it's you have to sort of do it well in advance. But I don't like the Bellator cards back to back. I don't like the Friday, Saturday cards. Yeah. Why not stack one of the cards, move the other card to a couple months later or better yet. I mean, last weekend we had nothing going on other than PFL. Like you mentioned off the top, why isn't Bellator doing a show then take away some of the, you know, cause fans will, fans will tune in if there's nothing on, but if, if you have, you know, back to back, it's tough, you know, especially if you've got a family and you got other things going on, it, it's very difficult to do that. So, um, you know, I, I would have expected more, but at the same time, looking at the fact that they had two cards, I think that sort of takes away some of it. Joe, what James said. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, it's, it, it's, I, I still don't understand the, the, the original logic of doing these back-to-back shows uh, when the following week there was nothing going on. You have the opportunity to take advantage and get all, or if not as many, of the eyeballs out there uh, from the MMA world to tune into your product. Uh, back-to-back was, is just, to me, was just it was weird from day one. Um, on, on the flip side of that, the 500K number that they got uh, I think that was in line from what I was thinking um, in terms of previous uh, cards that they had and, and, and ratings that they did have. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, there was nobody outside of the MMA bubble in my circle uh, that were talking Fedor versus Sonnen. Nobody. Uh, I didn't have anyone saying, hey, man, is Fedor fighting? Is Sonnen fighting Fedor? Nobody. Other than people that watch MMA or tune into this podcast or you know message me here and there because they are fight fans, they knew what was going on. It wasn't like something where, James, you know, we could walk into a, I don't know, uh, like a a Sobeys. We'll use a Canadian reference. Yeah, a Boston Pizza Sobeys, whatever, to say, oh, you know, the, the signs are up there. Let's let's watch this fight. There was there was no real traction, uh, in my opinion. I like the Habib, uh, you know, Connor fight. So uh, I think Bellator, you know, initially made an error in doing so, but the numbers are pretty good. But could have been better. Chael Sonnen, after getting beaten by Fedor, said that Fedor is the greatest heavyweight of all time, and that Cain Velasquez is effectively removed himself from that conversation due to his inactivity. I am inclined to agree, Joe. We talk about it all the time. The Cain Velasquez thing has become almost a running joke on this show. And the first week that Fightful existed, we previewed a Cain Velasquez fight and reviewed one. That's the last time he fought. That was in July of 2016, Joe. Yeah, yeah. You cannot have Cain Velasquez in the greatest of all time conversation. I do agree with that only because he just simply hasn't competed because of injuries uh, so often and so frequently. Uh, he, he was, I mean, Fader even said it. He was a huge fan of Cain Velasquez, right? And since, uh, since 2011, he's beaten three guys. Yeah, yeah. Three guys. Yeah, it's, it's, he's going to go down uh, as a few other fighters that, that come top of mind for myself as, you know, the coulda, shoulda, woulda beens, right? I mean, this is a guy that was on cloud nine after becoming the world champion, those fights with Dos Santos, the Brock Lesnar victory. Um, he was he was the man. He was the man 
uh, with a trajectory that was, you know, way past the clouds, past the moon into a different universe. And unfortunately, you know, due to injuries, it's never going to happen. I don't think it can. I mean, this guy would have to come back and fight every three months and go on an absolute tear. Uh, and, and, you know, how's he going to win the title if, if his partner is a champ, right? So, I mean, even the fact that Daniel Cormier went up there uh, says a lot about where Kane is right now because th- those two guys don't want to fight. So, Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with this. Kane's got to fight if he if he wants to be in that conversation. Now he's 36 years old. He had shown up at the WWE Performance Center maybe to do a little bit of a tryout, a feeling out process there. And I'm thinking, man, if you can't stay in the cage, I think it'd be kind of hard for you to keep up that schedule. And he's not the type of crossover star that the WWE put all their eggs in his basket. He's way more known than Matt Riddle, but he's also not willing to put in the schedule that a Matt Riddle did, or at least I would think not, on the independent circuit. So there we go. John Anik re-ups with the UFC. Joe, your thoughts? boy, Good for him. Good guy, good peeps, uh, a guy that I've kept in contact with, uh, you know, every so often. And just he's a stand-up guy, as, as, as nice as you can possibly be. That public image is exactly who he is behind the scenes. Just a great guy, uh, well-deserved. And I knew when he first signed, he was going to get a lot of flack uh, because it was Mike Goldberg at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he was coming in there, and eventually he was going to be the next guy. Um, but he took a lot of heat. A lot of flack still does to this day. I mean, I, I get flack when I do my uh, pay-per-views or, or my show, so it is what it is. But uh, I don't think he ever deserved it, and I always knew him to be uh, an exceptional professional and an exceptional broadcaster. Uh, does his job as a play-by-play um, broadcaster near perfect, near perfect uh, when it comes to reading your promos, when to do it, when to stop, when, when you've got two people in the booth, three people in the booth, uh, his interviews, I just think he's fantastic. Also, Daniel Cormier has stated that he is in the running to uh, be a WWE commentator. Fox is pushing for him to be a WWE color commentator. They want a more sport-based show. James, what do you think of this news as well as the Anik uh, re-up news? Because that that it doesn't really cause a shift in the UFC. They have Dominic Cruz. They have a few people uh, just around in case Daniel Cormier leaves, but I think Cormier's fit in really well with the UFC thus far. Yeah, I think that Cormier is just aligning himself for retirement. Uh, he's got commentating duties with Fox. He could, you know, make some more money doing some wrestling as well. So, so good for him. And Sean, you actually, uh, you know, didn't say John Anik's name right. You meant to say MMA industry podcast guest oh, John Anik God. on Fightful.com. Uh, that was that was on there. But no, I, I John John's great at what he does, and I echo what Joe says too. Outside of the cage, just a really nice guy and uh, someone who's really, uh, you know, fine tuned his craft. I mean, he's gotten exceptionally better than than when he first started. I think he's he's the, the standard at this point. And it's tough to fill those shoes. It's tough to have a sport where you have these fans who are so passionate about everything and, you know, just keep trucking and, and really be be the best at, at what you do. And uh, it's great to see the UFC uh, making an investment in the broadcast booth in, in Anik, who I think is uh, just unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see what, what the future holds for him. PFL had essentially 26 fights last week, <laughs> not many of which made any buzz. James, did anything stand out to you besides Ray Cooper beating up Jake Shields like 400 times this year? 
Uh, nothing like really, yeah, that, that's true. I mean, good for Ray Cooper. Here's a guy who, you know, didn't even have a great record, um, you know, heading into the, uh, the PFL season. And now he's beat Jake Shields, not once, but twice. And Jake Shields is no slouch. I, I think Shields is one of the most underrated welterweights, uh, maybe, maybe of all time. Uh, in terms of his resume and, and what he's been able to do. But uh, Lewis Taylor, another guy I'm very impressed with, a training partner of Bilal Muhammad back in Illinois. Uh, they sort of came up together. I know Bilal's in Milwaukee now, but Lewis has been sort of a mentor and, and a training partner with him. Uh, kind of weird the way that fight ended with John Howard. But, you know, at the same time, I'm happy to see Lewis uh, get a chance in a million dollars. He is how old? 39 years old, I think. Yeah. So good for him uh, having a shot at that. And uh, as far as some other uh, highlights, you know, Rick Story losing. I ended up getting that broken arm. Um, you know, Boyan Velikovic losing a couple of UFC vets, not really uh, getting it done. Uh, the tournament format, I still think, um, you know, there needs to be some work there. I, some of the rules, like I know someone, if a fight goes to a draw, the person who won the first round advances. I also don't like the fact that they fight twice in one night on, on these playoff cards. I think that's something they could space out a little bit more, maybe start the season a little bit earlier, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is, it's something I'm paying attention to, but I haven't tuned in for a lot of it, to be honest, because they're always at really weird times. And yeah. I don't even think in Canada, um, you know, there's, there's nowhere you can watch it on TV. I think Facebook, you can watch it, but that's not ideal. I mean, it'd be good if they could figure out something broadcast wise in Canada. Terrible promotion as well. But th- th- you could also say the same for this weekend show. Is it Moncton? Am I saying that correct? Moncton. Moncton. It's like money, Moncton. All right. Well, we have, uh, Full coverage of that this weekend. James has pros picks up for that show. Also has interviews with a lot of the fighters on this card, which we will talk about. Uh, Stevie Ray is on the show kicking things off. Not the one I did making a finisher with (laughs) recently, although I think he could be a suitable Harlem Heat replacement. You did speak to Ariane Buller, though, James, who was supposed to be walked to the cage last year by then WWE champion Jinder Mahal. He told you that they don't really keep in touch as much anymore. And actually, he trained with Bobby Lashley recently. Yeah, uh, some some obviously some cool wrestling uh, crossover, which is always good uh, here on Fightful to uh, to hear stuff like that. But um, yeah, and and we should mention too, Arjun, uh, someone who helped uh, Daniel Cormier for the Stephen Miocic fight. So um, you know, Arjun looking to bounce back here, facing a really tough guy in Marcelo Golm. I actually. Uh, you know, this isn't an easy fight for him to come back, uh, you know, and face because he's coming off his first career loss. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Can he make adjustments? You know, people just assume because Buller is, you know, has a good record and, he, and he's just coming in the UFC that he's a young guy. He's not. He's in his 30s. So, um, you know, he's really got a the window here is short for him if he wants to make a run. Uh, you know, good fight for him. He's the favorite right now. But I think he's got a t- tall task coming up here on Saturday uh, against uh, Marcelo Golem. We have Sarah Morris against Talita Bernardo. Any women's fight, you never know what can launch somebody. Joe, how do you think this one goes? Yeah, it is one of those fights where I'm kind of like scratching my head. Uh, but Sarah is a minus 200 favorite. I think that's that's right. Uh, or it could have been uh, slightly lower. But um, Sarah, I think Sarah's just can bring can bring this fight to where she needs it to be. Don't know if she can get a finish. Wouldn't be surprised if she does. But uh, I think she wins this fight. James, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think so as well. And and the one thing we got to talk about, which uh, you'll see in our interview with uh, Sarah up on Fightful, is that she moved. She's no longer training at Toshido. Talked a little bit about uh, why things weren't working out for her there. Now she's in Las Vegas training uh, at Extreme Couture, getting a lot of different looks, a lot of female bodies. I mean, that's one thing she didn't have at Toshido was a lot of other uh, WMMA fighters that were professional, that were at a high level. So she's getting that now, getting to use the PI. 
Um, she's so much happier just from, you know, you can even just tell in her voice when she's talking about, you know, living in Vegas now. So I think that's going to pay dividends. And, uh, you know, I, she has the win over Ashley Evan Smith recently. I know her last fight didn't go her way. I think she's really going to, you know, make a statement in this fight and get a good win here. And, and an opponent in Tatalita Bernardo that she should beat. Uh, like Joe said, I think the line's right where it needs to be, but I'm picking Sarah Morris in this fight. Under the radar fight, Calvin Qatar, Chris Fishgold. I like this fight. Uh, it's, it is very, very under the radar. Calvin Guitar looking to bounce back. You think you can get it done, James? Yeah, I do. Uh, Chris Fishgold, um, you know, in my opinion, I, I think he's a, he's a good prospect. He's a cage warriors guy. Long layoff though. Hasn't fought since October of last year. He's actually going to be moving uh, down to 45 for this fight. Cater's fought there before. Cater's a good fighter, man. Like, you know, he just lost to Moicano before that. He finished Shane Burgos. He got that win over Andre Feely in his debut. He's a, he's a really solid fighter, and I, th- I think he's going to go out there and put on a good performance here in a fight that he really should win. Um, you know, a lot of guys lose to Moicano. I think he, you know, took mm-hmm. took from that, uh, you know, what he could, made some adjustments, and he's going to come back even better here. And and I like him in this fight against Fishgold. Uh, the line on this, I feel like it was high, and I remember thinking, like, I don't know if it should be that good. I'm going to just There's check it right now. two lines that are crazy, James. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Akaras fight is one of them, and you actually spoke to him recently. No, yes, this Calvin Qatar fight, this this catered Qatar fight. One one bookie has it at minus two seventy five. Yeah. Another has it at minus four fifty five. Yeah, William Ooh. Hill does. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm seeing that here. <laughs> what? Yeah, I I wouldn't bet that much money on, on Cater uh, at all. But minus two seventy five is probably where it needs to be. Even a little high, in my opinion. Fishgold, like I said, he's a Cage Warriors champion. But moving down to forty five in your debut, that's a tall task. And and Cater's, you know, he's looked really good in the octagon. I, I have there, to go with Cater in this one. There are some crazy flyers on this show. From oh yeah. Even even Artem Lobov, who I think is going to lose to Patrick Cummins and Serkinov. I mean, yeah. God, Serkinov's a minus 500. And you have Hakparas, who you had spoke to recently, James. Yeah. He's like a minus 850. Yeah, he was minus 1,000 on Monday when I looked at the line here. So he's Woo! obviously some money's come in on uh, on He's on minus 1,000 at Bet365, James. Yeah, well, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I'm just looking at it five times here. It's just there, there's no way I'd bet that much money. Look, Hackpress looked amazing in his last fight against Diakese. This was sort of his coming out party. If you remember his UFC debut against uh, Marcin Held was on short notice. He lost that fight. You know what? That was a short notice fight. Didn't really get to see his, his uh, true skill set. And we saw that in his last fight. So I think people are kind of like, this guy's the real deal. And Goody, I mean, he's had an up and down career. He's, had, you know, lost to Laprise and Olivier Mercier, uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier. A rough lot of tries in the UFC. Real rough go in the UFC. I think yeah. So, so I, I see what they're doing here. But, you know, Hackbrass should win this fight. But there's no way I'd bet that much. I mean, he's still relatively young. Uh, what, 23 years old, I think. So, um, you know, it, to me, that that's too much, too much uh, stock in someone like that. So he should win but no way i'd bet him at that price yeah that is that is uh pretty wild you also have nordine taleb against sean strickland this fight is basically a pick em. i'm going sean strickland on this one joe what do you think i'm not going against the canadian Nah, shit nordine taleb's gonna win this fight but i, I do want to get your thoughts sean um oh with Sirkinov being at minus 500 on one side there's a plus 375 for cummins got five on it yeah for James, sure i got five on that like, come on I got five on anybody who's got a line of plus 575 in a <laughs> UFC fight as well. I don't uh, go against Canadians, Misha, but... But, I mean, you even look at the, the Edwards and Madge fight, and it's like minus 500 at Bovada, I think. It's mm-hmm. it's insane. Like, some of these lines, and they're, I, they're one of these lines is going to be an upset. One right. of them is going to be an upset. Uh, especially I, w- I was surprised about the coming circuit up on which we will talk about in a bit. Volante versus Ed Herman, James, that is such a UFC Fox sports one fight. 
Yeah. And and could be an upset too. I mean, Herman's been inactive. He hasn't looked great in his last couple of fights. But I mean, Volante's had fights that he's just been he's look he, it's just been disappointing. I mean, the Shogun fight's a good example where that's a fight he should have won. He didn't win it. I know it's in Brazil. I know it's tough, but that's a fight he should win. Herman's a guy you know has, has been known to surprise plus two ten. Why not throw a little flyer on that? But you mentioned the Taleb fight. I mean, I'm picking Strickland in this one as well. Um, but if you look at right now, uh, Taleb wins by KO or TKO plus six twenty five. Just ask Danny Roberts or Eric Silva about uh, Nordin Taleb and his knockout power because he knocked out both of those guys. It could happen in this fight. Strickland coming off a knockout loss in his last bout, so uh, anything can happen. There's a lot of interesting prop bets on this card if you guys have a chance to look. The Cummins one you mentioned was also something I was looking at too just because, again, Misha's been finished in his last two fights, so anything can happen. Know your thoughts. Where did you go with that one, James? Who, Misha or, or Cummins? Yeah. I'm going Misha only because uh, he's he's at Extreme Couture now. I, I think the knock I've had on Misha for this last probably since his career started was that you can't just train at Extreme Couture by yourself and expect to be a high level UFC fighter. You need to get other looks, and he's finally done that. He's you know training with Vinny Magalhaes, fin- training with Ronnie Marks, uh, getting good coaching with Ray Seffo and Eric Nixack at Extreme Couture. Like he's basically uprooted to Vegas now, which is great. So I think we could see some improvements because the talent level's there. It's just you can't. You can't just you can't not train with a good camp uh, in, in for certain fighters. And I think in his case, that's why, because you look at the last fight against Glover. That's a prime example. He looked like a fish out of water when it got on the ground. That's yeah. not something that should happen to a, to a guy who has, you know, a number of fights in the UFC um, and Cummins. I mean, it's got to be the end of the road for him. I know he's back at Alliance now training in San Diego. Um, you know, that that's a good move for him. But uh, no, I'm going to pick, pick Misha. But at 425, no way I'm betting that. There's no yeah. way. There's no money going down on this. That That's a fact. But I'll say this. Patrick Cummins is going to push Misha. Uh, and it's the perfect test for at this at this point in Misha's career. Misha, if this goes to a very old saying, um, Sean, way back when, when I used to train at a place called Shaw Franco's, it was just housed with killers. Antonio Carvalho was there. Uh, Richard Nanku, uh, the crazy little monkey they used to call him, Justin Bruckman. These were all, this was a camp that we all just, you know, and then, then we started growing, you know, almost merging with other camps in terms of, t- of training. Why? Because you can be the best in your gym. That's fine. You're the king of the mountain in your gym. Eventually, you got to become the king of your city, king of your province or state, king of your country. You're going to get to the UFC. Misha was always the best everywhere he trained. He had to go somewhere, not recently, but he had to go somewhere where he was going to get pushed, learn more, and stop being the best because your confidence goes sky high when you get into fights, but then reality sets in. You got to have that confidence when you're in a training camp to be broken down, returned, broken down, returned. Jason Prillo always talked about some of the fighters he would train from whether it's Cyborg, whether it was Tito Ortiz, just people in general. You give the fighter the confidence when they need it, then you break it down. You break them down, you give it back to them. And I think Misha, uh, where he's training now with Extreme Couture, may have learned that lesson where you're not going to always be the best in your gym. You got to put the work in harder than what you thought you were putting in before. And then dividends will be paid uh, when you step into the octagon with a guy like Patrick Cummins. Patrick Cummins is, you know, James did say that, you know, could be the end of the line for him here. You just never know with a Patrick Cummins because he fools us every time. You also have Artem Lobov against late replacement Michael Johnson. After the fiasco happened at 229, Michael Johnson slid in. On the surface, I, it's hard to see how Michael Johnson loses. And Artem Lobov will have his third straight loss. You know he's getting at least two more because he's Conor McGregor's boy. Now, not to take away from his, his tough run, because his tough 22 run was impressive, even after I think he lost to Baghdad by majority decision. But he, he won three straight fights and finished guys. 
but he's essentially had a three-year run in the UFC because of who his who his buddy is. I mean, they fu- had him fight Chris Avila, who is one of the worst fighters <laughs> in UFC history. Terrible. Uh, in, in August of 2016, he fought Ishihara, who again not not great in the UFC, but he was coming off of a pretty hot streak. That was a good win for Artem Lobov, and Ishihara's woes really started after that. So that was that was the best win he's got, Ishihara. If he can somehow beat Michael Johnson, he's good for six, seven more fights in the UFC. I think James. Probably, yeah. It pays to know uh, pays to know people. Um, yeah, this is an interesting fight uh, in terms of the styles and everything. Johnson getting that close win over Feely in his last fight. He's down at forty five. The third fight at forty five, I believe now uh, for Michael Johnson. I mean, Johnson should win this fight, but I don't think like I see people saying that Johnson's going to finish him. Lobob, you have to go back like I think it was like twenty eleven or something crazy like that. Like he he doesn't get knocked out at all. Uh, Johnson has knockout power. Just ask Dustin Poirier, but. It's not something that he's done recently. Um, so this is something where I could see Johnson going the distance. So right now, Johnson minus 600. If you take Johnson prop bet, wins by decision, it's minus 112. I think that's a good bet right there. I think Johnson probably beats Lobov that decision. Joe? I think Johnson does emerge victorious. I don't think Lobov's just going to sit there and lie down. I think this fight does go uh, the full 15 minutes. Um, uh, Michael Johnson has to simply use speed uh, because you can expose a guy like Lobov who's going to be countering the majority of the fights. So if you can use your speed and almost delay your full execution of your combinations, like you throw a one-two, pause, then throw your hook, something of that nature, Michael Johnson, I think, will, will, will have his evening with Artem Lobov. But Lobov can take a beating. He just simply can constantly take a beating, and he can surprise a lot of people. You know, Michael Johnson, if he fades, he fades at any one point in this fight, it could be a dangerous scenario uh, against Lobov. So I, I will pick Johnson to win this fight, but got to be careful be smart be cognizant don't get fatigued you know execute your game plan we have a very high level light heavyweight fight on the main event of this show volkan ozdemir who has often fought at heavyweight taking on anthony smith who moved up from middleweight and you can draw a lot of parallels to these two guys volkan ozdemir exploded onto the scene in 2017 beat saint pru sirkinov and manoa on his way to getting a title shot which he lost uh, just, I think it was in January. Anthony Smith has been around forever. He was fighting in Strike Force in 2011. However, he moves up to light heavyweight. All of a sudden, beats Rashad Evans and Shogun Hua. That's quite a way to get started at the light heavyweight division. And even at middleweight, he he was doing fine until he ran into Santos. And even before then, quite frankly, he he was doing fine before that outside of the UFC in Bellator. This was a guy who was 17 and 11, and he's come off and just had an insane revival of his career. And to some people, it's really the first time they knew who the hell Anthony Smith was, James. His career path is kind of unbelievable. It is, and he's taken advantage of some good things. Uh, you know, I think moving up to 205 was great. I mean, this Smith used to fight at welterweight. That's, you know, yeah, t- talk about, um, you know, changing weight classes and things. That, that's pretty crazy, the fact that he's, you know, now uh, fighting at 205 pounds. But he looks way better. It's tough to really take a sample size, though, from what he's been able to accomplish. I know the wins were impressive, but, you know, Rashad's retired. Shogun's probably retiring soon. It's a tough sample size to say, is he really a legitimate threat at uh, 205 pounds? Well, we're going to find out on Saturday, taking on a guy in Volkan Ozdemir who... 
the win over OSP, I still think could have gone either way. But, uh, you know, I'll give him the win over Manu. I'll give him the win over Cirkinov. Those are good wins. Lost to Cormier. So he's looked great. Trains at a good camp at Hard Knocks. Actually been training a bit up at TriStar. I don't know if you guys have been following him on social media. He's getting some different looks there ahead of this matchup. So that's good, too. Uh, this is a coin flip. I mean, I could see either guy winning this fight, really. Um, I, I don't, you know, I think the line right now is, uh, I, th- I think it has Vulcan as a, uh, yeah, Vulcan's minus 190. I'm looking at five dimes and uh, Smith plus 165. But you never know, man. I mean, both these guys have knockout power. Both these guys are good everywhere it goes. My pick is Vulcan, but if Smith pulls this off, it wouldn't surprise me. And one other thing I'll mention, I think the real resurgence for, for Smith's career was making that move out to Factory X. I really mm-hmm. think him training with those guys out there, getting the coaching from Mark Montoya has paid dividends. And we've seen that in all of his fights. You know, people are quick to write this guy off because of his loss to Tiago Santos, but he had a bad weight cut in that fight. That was in Brazil. I mean, a lot of circumstances played into that loss. And you know what? Losing to Tiago Santos ain't that bad. I mean, Santos just or, beat or Eric Anders. Ferreira. Yeah, Not or Ferreira. Bad losses. Yeah, and, and outside of that, I mean, he's, he's he's won all his fights. I mean, the fights that, where he had that losing streak if back when he was fighting in strike force, I mean, that was at welterweight. So, um, you know, it, he's really gone on quite the run. Sanchez was a good win. I mean, I, I'm really curious to see how this plays out because it'll tell us where both guys fit. And here's the crazy thing, guys. The winner of this fight probably could fight for the title next. That's how yeah. thin this division is right now. And you have Dom Reyes really emerging in that division. Uh, James has spoken to both of these guys, uh, and Dom Reyes for that matter. Joe, Anthony Smith has gone, I think, 13-2 and two in his last 15 fights. That's not something I saw coming after that strike force run. Give this guy some damn respect whoever ranks him like huh. he's ranked 10th in the yeah, division he, des- he deserves to be way higher than that i All think right? so he- here's my take on the fight very very um you know eerily similar to what james just said but james i'm going to say this sometimes we look at fights and what is our intrigue level in a fight especially a big fight you know you want it's too big you know there's always a storyline there this for me is an mma fight for two different guys to have two different styles that bring different things to the octagon this is one of those fights where i'm just gonna say you know what Phone, down, iPad, down, let me enjoy this one and let it unfold to see what becomes of the winner. Because the winner of this fight, if it's Vulcan, he he remains uh, very relevant. If he loses, he's in trouble, uh, even though the division is thin. And if Anthony Smith wins, oh my God, if he's not ranked in the top three after this, I don't know what to think. So this is a beautiful fight in my eyes where I can just sit there, boys, and be like, yeah, you know what? Referee. Step out of the way. Let them go. I will have some sort of post-show either that night or the following day. We do have WWE Evolution post-show coverage this Sunday. Make sure you guys subscribe to that new channel, Fightful MMA and Boxing. Search it on YouTube. We will have a custom URL very soon. Uh, Within the next three weeks, we're going to have tons of content up there. We're really, really expanding for you guys. James, let the people know what you got going on this week. I got a lot of stuff going on on Fightful. We just interviewed Cynthia Calvillo last weekend. We also interviewed uh, Macy Barber. Broke a little news there. Uh, Macy Barber not fighting Maya Stevenson anymore. She's fighting Hannah Cyphers. I might be interviewing Hannah tomorrow, so uh, stay tuned for that on Fightful. Um, but yeah, like I said, the Moncton card. Arjun Buller, Andre Sukumta, Sarah Morris, Misha Serkinov, Nasrat Hakparat, Vulcan Ozdemir, Anthony Smith, and a Prospects video. So like I said, we got you covered. You don't have to go to any other sites. If you guys are watching right now, don't even bother. We got you covered here at Fightful. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Lynch on Sports. And uh, great show today, guys. Appreciate that, that Macy Barber interview is up on the, the new YouTube channel as yep. we speak, so you never know what kind of news will be dropped there. Joe, what do you got going on? I'm uh, guessing James. pizza and soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much the basics there, James. In terms of interviewing Hannah, 
I, if you score it, good for you. Uh, it, it's she's a very um, sweetheart of a girl. Very challenging interview. If you've ever seen her post fight <laughs> interviews at Titan, she doesn't speak. Yeah, no, I, I I know her manager basically sent me that note, and uh, I love interviews like that because that means I have to do my job. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've I've worked with I, I've had I interviewed Felony Bennett. Okay, if you can interview okay. Felony Bennett, you can interview anyone. Yeah, I've had uh, you know it, she's just a, an extremely <laughs> amazing individual. She just freezes, um, just amazing. Um, in terms of what am I doing? Yes, uh, I will. Uh, I I I put it on the chat there. I don't care about this MMA stuff and these fights. That's not the real fight. The real fight is my mother-in-law is making three or four different homemade pizzas, Italian pizzas, Ooh. that I have to figure out how I'm going to ingest. Real prior. Italian. Oh, I can't deal with it. Oh, stone oven, this thin, just incredible. And oh. then I've got to go coach the boys tonight. Uh, and then after that, i got to carve some pumpkins because my son's freaking out that if I don't put a Fortnite logo on a pumpkin and a Super Mario on another one, and then my wife wants me to drill through this like this Pinterest pictures and on the pumpkin, like – I'm stressed, guys. Stressed. <laughs> going to be the family man tonight. Well, you guys will not be stressed. You will be relaxed when you subscribe to that new MMA channel we have. Do it. I'm not going to stop plugging it. Thank you guys so much. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. Help spread the word. We also have more MMA content on Fightful Select than ever. Check that out. We are out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.